Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by editor of thewolfpacker.com and co-host Matt Carter. And today, we are going to talk about some early season observations we've had about the NC State Wolfpack men's basketball team. NC State starting off the season 3-1, and one, taking care of business against all of the teams the Wolfpack has been favored against and dropping the most recent game in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Casino against Oklahoma State, dropping that game by six points. It was a close game. NC State fought back at the end, but we will talk about all of the early season observations we have about the team, the impact of the Manny Bates injury, who's showing up, who needs to improve the outlook for NC State post-Bates injury. But before we get into all that good stuff, reminders for the listeners and viewers at home, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us, wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always watch us on YouTube. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. It helps us out tremendously. So if you like what we're doing, you want to support the Wolfpacker, please, if you don't mind, do us the favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also, please give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. All of that stuff helps us with our engagement. It makes our bosses happy. So if you like what we're doing, then do that, and you can help us out, and we'll have more content for you. So also, quick reminder, the Wolfpackers on the On3 Network now, um, going on three weeks now on the On3 Network. So if you go to thewolfpacker.com, if you haven't been in a while, it's going to be a new-look site that looks so great now and there's a lot of great content the same great content that you've known for over what four decades now matt since the wolfpacker's been in circulation nothing on the editorial staff has changed the content is now just on a part of the on3 network so take advantage of a deal that the on3 network has going on right now for a dollar you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the on3 network including the wolfpacker.com so take advantage of that deal while it's still around, the On3 Network is a new project, but eventually will be the go-to name in college sports reporting. So take advantage of it while you can, because they're not going to have this deal around forever. Go to Wolfpacker.com, sign up for your subscription, and enjoy all the great Wolfpack content we have for you. Okay, Matt, let's let's talk about some Wolfpack basketball. I think now that. Uh, you know, we're, we're reaching the regular season conclusion in football. Only two regular season football games left. We'll see what the Wolfpack football team can do the rest of the way. Still a lot going on in football land. But basketball season is back. It, it was like a cold shower seeing those basketball games on my ESPN app a couple weeks ago. But you know what? Once the action started... Matt, I don't know if you shared this feeling, but it was kind of exciting for me because it was like, this is the college basketball I grew up knowing and falling in love with because, man, did college basketball really need fans back in stands to make it a palatable product. Last year, uh, you know, the, the truth of the matter, if you watch NBA, you watch college basketball, the NBA is such a pure basketball product. If you watch college basketball, there's turnovers, there's mistakes, a lot of times a lot of missed shots. Look at the NC State Oklahoma State game. They both shot in the 30%. You never see that in the NBA. But what makes college basketball great is the pageantry and the fans and the excitement and the want to to go win for your alma mater. So Matt, are you kind of thinking what I am? How much college basketball have you watched in these first couple weeks and has it has it been nice to see it back with fans? On the latter part, most definitely. <laughs> I, I, 
I, I said multiple times, I thought basketball, more than any other sport, depends on spectators. Um, especially when it comes to viewing on television, I, I think it really depends on spectators. An empty arena is evident when you watch it. Yeah, you can watch a football game, and it may be empty, but it's still all you're seeing on the football field are the players and the, the action, right? I mean, you, you very rarely get the crowd. You can see that in basketball a little bit more. And, and they do feed off the energy a little bit more in basketball. So, yeah, definitely, um, I definitely uh, missed that and felt that. Yeah, I'm still trying to catch up a little bit. On, I'll, I'll confess when it comes to actual watching of college basketball. I either at an interstate basketball game, an interstate football game, or at home playing with my nine-year-old daughter, uh, you know, reading a... The Mysterious Benedict Society, I think is what she's reading right now. So, um, yeah, spending time with the wife. Went to a John Fogarty concert the other night. So, still have time, uh, have to catch up on. To me, college basketball is uh, a post-Thanksgiving sport. It's still weird to me. When I grew up, they didn't play their first game until around Thanksgiving. Or a little after Thanksgiving. Then it kind of crept up every year, you know. It was like a Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off. With like maybe the Monday before Thanksgiving or something like that, and uh, now they're starting in the beginning of November. So, still feels weird to me. I ain't gotten caught up, um, but uh, yeah, I do like NC State schedule, as you know. So that part's been enjoyable. I'm I'm looking forward to the the game Sunday. I think uh, Texas Southern's another solid solid team coming to Raleigh. Let's talk about what we've seen so far. Um, from NC State, obviously the biggest news in the first four games, really the first game of the season. You've arguably got the biggest news of the season to this point. Manny Bates goes out to a shoulder injury and in, what one of the first possessions of the first game of the season. You know, something that he struggled with shoulder injuries ever since he's been in college. Uh, of course, he missed his first year at NC State, took a redshirt year while he was healing from another shoulder surgery. This is a separate shoulder. And I guess, you know, he was having some problems in the off season, tried to play through it and clearly something didn't work. So, uh, he ends up having season ending surgery. He's going to be out for the entire season, which leaves this Wolfpack roster with a glaring vacancy down low because there is nobody on this roster that can replace even 80% of what Manny Bates brings to the table for this Wolfpack squad. Now you see the Ebenezer Dewanas of the world, the Jalen Gibsons of the world, even in stretches some Ernest Ross time at that five position for Kevin Keats. Kevin Keats is a guy that, you know, is known to play a little bit of small ball, but that also relies on having a big post player that can be a rim protector on defense that, can allow the guards to play more aggressively on the perimeter on the defensive end and can also it's also a huge part of the pick and roll offense that Kevin Keats likes to run. So it's a two-way loss for the Wolfpack. Does I mean just your thoughts on the Manny Bates injury? I think it, you know, it's it's the one injury you really could not afford of maybe like three names on this Wolfpack roster and and probably that Manny Bates name would be number 1. So uh, just your thoughts on what this does for the rest of the season. I was definitely number one on the list just because of what's behind them. You know, you had, you don't have a whole lot of options. 
if say a, a Jericho Helms or a Cam Hayes goes down, but you got more than what you knew about it uh, if Manny Bates goes down. That was why Manny Bates was so important, just because of what you talked about. Now, Ebenezer Dewana and Jalen Gibson are developmental guys, and you need to add to that that Greg Gant's not available right now. And he might be a guy that could help out if they wanted to go real small. Um, but he's recovering from sports hernia. Uh, we don't have a timeline on when he might be back. Yeah, that's another guy that that could help out there. So really, that's where it hurts. It's, and you saw it against uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, they, they, Caleb Boone has had success at Oklahoma State. He he's been around the block. He he played in big games. Uh, Sisse, I think is how you pronounce the last name of the other guy who started. He was a McDonald's All-American, five-star American Athletic Conference Rookie of the Year. Now, those were two big guys who have had success, who have experience at a major level of college basketball. And they took advantage. And the, even the Smith kid from uh, that transferred from Texas Tech. They played for Oklahoma State. How many big offensive rebounds did he get coming off the bench in that game? So that's where it hurts. Is. I think DeWiner looks much improved. I think Gibson looks a little bit improved. But they still have a long ways to go. They're just developmental guys. They were always developmental guys. And the proper role for them on this team would have been that five minute off the bench seven minutes of, of bases and foul trouble type. Now they're having to split 40 minutes. That, that's uh, not ideal, to say the least. So it, it was the one injury they couldn't really have. But, that, you know, I've said it before. Kevin Keats has been very unlucky at entry state in multiple areas. Second straight year, he probably lost the most important player on the team. Um, you know, this year at least you lost him right at the very beginning it gives you time to find a new identity to find a new formula before ACC play starts and hopefully they'll come up with a mix that can uh, that can make you a competitive team in the conference and the good news is the conference stinks really bad terrible conference so at least by ACC standards and that's Speaking in November, it could be an entirely different looking situation in January and February as, as teams get better and improve and and find themselves. But as of November the 19th, it sucks. There is no doubt that the ACC is down this year. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, just these first few games. I mean, you look at uh, there was an interesting stat on the Oklahoma State broadcast on cbs sports network uh one of the broadcasters mentioned kevin keats has lost his leading score every season he's been at nc state from the year prior um now i know that's probably something that is more becoming more and more common in college basketball you're going to see one and duns that come in and lead the team in scoring but that hasn't been the case for nc state it's not like nc state's getting you know bringing in the five-star recruits getting them actually to Raleigh they've gotten them to to commit they've gotten them to sign they just haven't gotten them to Raleigh before they get to the pros and you know because you're not getting the five-star talents you're not seeing these dynamic talents come in as true freshmen lead the team in scoring and leave 
you're just seeing, you know, players go to transfer, players that have played college ball for three, four, five years, want to go make a paycheck in Europe. And there's just been, you know, some roster turnover, not as much as in the previous coaching uh, administration at NC State, but it, turnover, the roster turnover is just part of the game in today's college basketball. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. Um, let's talk about some of the positives, though, because I do, I do agree with you that Ebenezer Dewana looks improved from last year. So does Jalen Gibson. And I can see improvement every game they play. I think that's going to, they're going to be better players at the end of this year because they're going to get so much experience that they just didn't have last year because they were both complete liabilities on the court last year. And there's still a little, there's still a liability when they're on the court. Don't get me wrong. Oklahoma State had its way with NC State in the paint. NC State could, I mean, could hardly hit the glass on the defensive end. Oklahoma State completely out-rebounded them on the offensive glass. Um, but there are some positive parts of this roster. And we start with Darion Sebron, who is having a tremendous start to the season. Uh, this is a guy that you were really excited about last year. I started to you know, join you there at the end of the season once you started to finally see that confidence, see some of that athletic ability being put to use, being trans, uh, translated into production. Darion Sebron, I think he has three double-doubles in four games. I mean, he's averaging a double-double right now, 20.5 points per game, 10.3 rebounds per game. That's pretty good, and if he keeps up this type of production, we're looking at a potential first-team All-ACC-type season. Of course, there's a lot of basketball to play, but what do you like about the way Darion Sebron's playing right now? Because I've never seen him play with this much confidence like he is right now. Well, you're right. I've always liked Darion Sebron. You know, part of it for me was he could do so much without scoring the basketball to impact the game and you see that with rebounding I've always thought even with Manny Bates he's NC State's best rebounder uh, and he's proven it and I do think there is an identity to be had for NC State that could be successful uh, with Seaborn and Helms as your forwards uh, and Morcel and Hayes as your guards and kind of being a, a smaller team um it has a chance to be successful. I think the key is to have guys like Helms, who, who had a tough couple of days in Connecticut, shooting the basketball, fouling out both times, didn't make his free throws. Cam Hayes, you know, kind of mixed with Jolts in, in Connecticut. Wasn't a, a great uh, experience in Connecticut for Morsell. Not bad, Just he just needs to be a little bit more visible and prominent out there. If those guys can step up with Seaborn, yeah, it's not a bad starting five. I mean, you're talking about four players who were all probably borderline top 100, top 125 range recruits coming out of high school. Um, there are a lot of ACC teams that could not say that. So, Seaborn is just uh, it's, it's a tremendous rebounder, but also a, a sneaky good ball handler. And, and I, we saw last year numerous occasions his ability to grab the defensive rebound and just go he's faster than most people on the court he's got those long strides got good speed and he'll beat he'll beat you down the court you know the key for him is uh his free throw shooting is much improved this year it would really help if he could get a little more confidence on the three-point shot 
Uh, but that just may not be his game. But he, he kind of, in some ways, reminds me of a, a Julius Hodge-type player. He's got just crafty. Um, Hodge did a lot of work, particularly later in his career, around the basket. Um, and I think uh, that's kind of what Sebron can kind of be, is a, uh, you know, that kind of all-around guy. Do I expect him to keep up this pace? Of course not. Of course, I don't expect him to be a 20 and 10 guy by time season ends. Um, but it was encouraging that against Oklahoma State, he did have 19 and 10. That, that was encouraging because those are the type of teams you will face in the ACC. So uh, I think the key is can Casey Morsell, who, you know, find his confidence in the shot and be a double digit scorer, can Cam Hayes. Struggling with the three-point shot early this season. Can he get back to being a 35-40% three-point shooter? Yeah, can Hellam be kind of like the Hellams we saw when Devin Daniels got hurt last year? If that can come together, I, I still think there's a decent team there. But it has to come together. Right now, it, 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 it has not quite yet, but four games into a year, you know, they weren't going undefeated. And they weren't going to go undefeated in a non-conference play. So, um, you got to, you got to measure yourself against Oklahoma State. You know you got to get better. Oklahoma State was clearly better than you, but you also saw what where you can get better. And I think that if you can get guys kind of joining Darion Sebron, that would be a huge help. When you lose the best player on your team, particularly in basketball, everybody else around him has to elevate their game, and. If you want to take one positive from the start of the season, if you're an NC State fan, really, Darion Sebron's been the only player on this roster thus far that has elevated his game based on what we've seen in the past. Everybody, I mean, Cam Hayes had a slow start to the year. Jericho Helms, I know he had a nice second half against Oklahoma State. Love to see the emotion from him. We finally started to see some of that senior leadership that we've been looking for on the court from Helms. Not saying that he hasn't been a leader behind the scenes, but more of a quiet guy, particularly with the media. And then you really saw his competitive nature come out in that second half against Oklahoma State. But he hasn't had a great start to the season either. We've already talked about Morsell. And Sebron, I mean, I know you say that the expect I don't expect him to finish with 20 and 10 stats at the end of the season either once we get through ACC play. But it wouldn't shock me if he keeps up this type of production because Who else is going to score points? Who else is going to grab rebounds? I mean, you look at the second, uh, you know, the second leader in rebounds per game on this team right now. I know this will change eventually, but it's tied. Casey Morsell and Ebenezer Duana at five apiece. Darion Sebron is out rebounding anybody else on the team by at least two to one. So he's clearly the best rebounder on the team. He's clearly the best scorer at this point so far. I think Jericho Helms will eventually become the top scorer on this team because of his ability in half court compared to Sebron. Sebron gets a lot of his money in transition. But one thing that makes you really excited about Sebron, he's shooting his free throws really well too. He might not have that long range jumper yet, but he's shooting free throws at a 77% clip right now. 25% of his points thus far coming in, coming from the charity stripe. And the way he's playing, I just love the way he's playing with just, he's fearless. He's going to the rim every, every opportunity he gets sometimes double, triple teamed at the rim, and he's going up and at least trying to get fouled. There's a lot of times where I thought, he's just trying to draw a foul here, and he ends up making the bucket. I mean, he's 
right now he's the best finisher at the rim on this team. You know, you hope eventually Cam Hayes will improve at his his ability to finish at the rim. He gained that weight in the offseason to do exactly that. Um, let's talk about the freshmen. Breon Pass, Terquavion Smith being the most impact freshman so far. Ernest Ross has also gotten some time. We've seen each of them in flashes. Terquavion Smith is going to be the most important freshman in the rotation. He's going to get the most time, kind of that six-man off the bench. We've clearly seen the ability to shoot from him. We've also seen that he's not afraid to take a shot from wherever. Kevin Keats has given him the green light, a true freshman, to shoot when he gets the rock. Uh, shooting about a 35% clip right now. He has more three-point attempts than anybody else on the team with 20 I would expect that he will have the most three-point attempts at the end of the year. He probably won't be the best statistical shooter, but he might be the leader in field goal makes because he does have the ability to shoot and he is a walking bucket. What have you seen from him defensively so far? What have you seen? Where where does Terquavion need to improve as the year goes along? And how important is he to the success of this team this season? Uh, Justin, uh fully knows I'm not the uh, freshman guy, right? I, I'm the guy that uh, uh, likes the veterans. And um, who who took the who took the would have been game tying shot or, or or the last shot in the Oklahoma State game? Yeah, the true freshman. Yeah, it, and he shouldn't he shouldn't have taken it. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of my point. But uh, you know, look, I, to me, I think Smith is playing the role he's supposed to play. I thought Oklahoma State was important for him. They kind of introduce him to actual big boy basketball. You know, all due respect, Colgate uh, has a nice chance to win the Patriot League, but that's a team that 14, 15, 15 seed in the NCAA tournament type team, right? I mean, they don't have the talented athletes like Taquavion Smith and, and, frankly, Bucknell and Central Connecticut. And Central Connecticut and Bucknell were probably much more worrisome games than Oklahoma State and Colgate, um, because those are games you should have won by 30, 40 points. 30 points, I should say. And, uh, you know, Traquavion did very well against them. The key for him is to kind of get more Oklahoma State games under his belt. The Purdue game coming up. Richmond's a good team. They'll play him in Charlotte. Uh, get more games like that. Even Texas Southern. Uh, they, they'll have some good athletes, I understand. I hadn't done the full scouting report on Texas Southern. They're 0-4, but they a brutal schedule. They, all four of those games have been on the road. Three of the losses by 10 points or less, including Washington on the road. I think they lost by like 7 or 8 points to Washington on the road. Um, you know, that's a team that made the NCAA tournament last year. They won the SWAC. So maybe, you know, they might be a different challenge than Colgate, but he just got to get used to playing against the ACC caliber athlete, um, where it won't come as easy for him. I, I've said before, he's kind of, you know, said to me, kind of like an Al Freeman type player, where he can win a game for you with his shooting, but he could, <laughs> you know, there might be some of those games where he, uh, you know, he goes an over. He went an over against Oklahoma State, but you love the confidence, and you just hope it doesn't get affected through the growing growing pains. That he's gonna have, he's gonna have more games like that. He's gonna have more games where it just doesn't fall, and he's struggling out there. He has to maintain that confidence 
it allowed him to score 20 in his first game, um, albeit against Bucknell, just keep that confidence. And eventually, you start getting more comfortable, more accustomed to playing the higher level. And then your game catches up to that. And then the, I think he's going to be a really good guard in the ACC. I really do. It's just going to take a little bit of time and ups and downs. And within a year or two, yeah, you're looking at, I think, a, a double-digit score that's recognized as one of the the better scores in the conference. The future is very bright for Terquavion. Agree with everything you said. One of the one of the best things you love about him during this freshman season is the confidence he brings to the table. And I will add, you know, even when he's not on the floor, he's making his presence felt. He's a he's an energy guy. You, these big possessions in the second half of the Oklahoma State game. Who's the guy standing up? Who's the guy hyping up the team on the bench? It's Terquavion Smith. Um, so you, you love to see him just being a good teammate from day one as well. Talk about the other couple freshmen here for a second, and we don't have to dwell on it too much, but Breon Pass, three appearances this season, has looked pretty sharp in that point guard role, although he was in the three games against the, you know, athletically inferior teams to a Power Five conference. In the Oklahoma State game, he didn't get any time. I thought that was curious. I thought there were a couple stretches maybe in the second half where the offense just didn't have anything going where I thought eh, it might be a good time to put Breon pass and see, you know, see what he can do with the point guard, maybe settle down this offense a little bit, get something going in half court. But I think the problem, you know, with him that we are going to see is that he might be limited in some of these games against more athletic teams as he improves his defense. He is a undersized guard. Uh, not that he's not a great athlete. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, had his choice of power five schools on the football field. So, Clearly, he's got the athletic capability. I think it's just a matter of him adjusting to the defensive physicality in the ACC for him to get some more time. And then Ernest Ross, I mean, talk about a dude that, you know, he might be the second most athletic player on this team behind Darion Sebron, but he is very raw, and I think we're going to see him in very limited stretches in ACC play, uh, you know, short of injuries impacting this roster. He... It, He's just not ready yet, but he's a guy that, I mean, he reminds me a lot of, um, I know you've compared his game to C.J. Leslie in the past. I love that comparison. I totally see that. And, and, and more of a recent comparison, Darion Sebron, a guy that came in very raw, very athletic. Give him a couple years, look what Darion Sebron's doing now. I can see a similar trajectory for Ross. Might not happen this year, but I think another guy that you should be excited about for years to come. Your thoughts on those two guys, Matt? Yeah, um, I kind of agree with what you said. I, I don't know, you know, come ACC play, how many minutes. Yeah, they got, I, I think there's more potential for Breon to to log some minutes going forward. I kind of agree with you in hindsight. I, I hadn't thought about that until you just brought it up where, yeah, maybe it could have been a good chance to kind of get Breon in there, in there to see if maybe he can give him a spark. But also, first time trailing, first time, first time kind of struggling against uh, the best opponent you played yet. I can see where Kevin Keith kind of wanted to roll with those he knew um, a little bit there. Because Tequavion, I think, only played like 16 minutes against Oklahoma State. He pretty much went with the older guys uh, in that second half against Oklahoma State. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a role for Bouillon. Uh, he's a good shooter. That's what he has really going for him. We saw that. You and I saw that when we went to watch him play to Quavion Smith. Had a shot pretty pure. 
Uh, Great shooting stroke. Yeah. You just gotta tighten up the handle against the athletic guards that he'll face. And I think there's a role for him to provide minutes uh, this year in the ACC. Um, he's just gonna work his way up to that. He's just gotta, like he's, with Honest Ross, you know, there's so much potential with the athleticism. Uh, he's just got a lot to learn about playing college basketball, obviously. So, um, you know, I'm sure he'll get there. He's got great coaches at, at, over there at NC State, and they'll get him coached up and learning. And, you know, Kevin Keith has done a pretty good job at NC State developing players. Um, players have generally gotten better under Kevin Keith over the years. So, look at Darion Seabon. We're talking about him right now. Look at Manny Bates, the guy who got hurt. Uh, look at Jericho Hellams. I don't mention All-ACC last year. Look at Devin Daniels, who was playing at an All-ACC level before he got hurt. So, players get better under Kevin Keats. So, uh, and that's just what Ernie Frost has got to trust that process, I think. Um, and they'll beat them. He'll get some playing time because there will be game for both DeWana and Gibson getting foul trouble. And then the question is... Greg Gantz's availability when he comes back, how quickly he gets acclimated, what he brings to the table, and how that'll figure into things. So he's kind of a wild card, and another wild card would be Thomas Allen. Does he kind of find a role as a three-point specialist? You know, right now his minutes are kind of limited off the bench. Um, you know, could he become kind of a, uh, a spark plug shooter off the bench type? Uh, going forward, so, but I kind of go back to what I said at the top. Um, I really think the key to this team, Casey Morsell, kind of developing into a double-digit scorer, Jericho Holland returning to that honorable mention, all ACC caliber guy, and seeing more of the Cam Hayes we saw at the end of last season. And I think right now we're kind of seeing a, a little bit of a mixture of the Cam Hayes we saw at the end, but still the Cam Hayes we saw early in ACC play, who was kind of having his, you know. Welcome to the ACC moment. Yeah, I will say credit to Cam Hayes. He's done a job of not turning the ball over, which is, you know, priority number one as point guard. Priority number one as a quarterback, don't turn the ball over. Priority number one as a point guard, don't turn the ball over. So he checks that box. He's just struggling with a shot right now. I mean, it's not like he's not taking shots. He actually has the second most field goal attempts on the team so far and the second most three-point attempts as well, shooting just 34.1% from the field, 29.4% from three. Those averages will go up. I mean, I can't imagine they won't. He's a better three-point shooter than that for sure, and he's just struggled finishing at the rim, which was his bugaboo last year, but I still think that that added weight in the offseason, that extra year of experience, it will click eventually. You'd like to see a little bit more assist, only nine assists through four games, but it'll come. It, you know, Getting back to big picture here as we kind of wrap up this podcast, Matt, I, I think you can't, you can't even describe how big the loss of Manny Bates is because it, people automatically think, it, the biggest loss is on the defensive end. And it, in the end, it probably is. But I think NC State's good enough defensively to get by without him in some games. On the offensive end, don't discount his absence. Because, A, he was becoming a better offensive player before our eyes. You saw it last season. I expected him to take another step this year. But also just his role as a big guy that can screen at the top of the key. Kevin Keats, NC State runs pick and roll more than any other team in the ACC. 
And Manny Bates is one of the better screeners in the ACC. Not only that, he's one of the best pick and roll bigs in the ACC because of the way you have to account for him as he rolls, as he crashes into the paint. You have to worry that he's going to dunk over your head. So then you you have to account for him. You don't have to account for Dewana or Jalen Gibson as much yet because they're just they're just not there yet on the offensive end. And you know you're not worried about them dunking over your head and making you a highlight reel victim. So um, it just kind of it kind of muddies up that NC State half court offense a little bit more. They're just it's got some time for them to get back to what they want to do more in it and it makes it harder for the players you know on the perimeter to to get good looks because you don't have to account for a guy like Manny Bates so you can stick on a guy like Jericho Helms in the corner you can stick on a guy like Thomas Allen prevent from getting a good look uh you know from the corner from 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 the wing uh from three so We'll see. I think NC State's going to have to make some more of its dough in transition. But with the absence of Bates, does it change the way you think NC State fans should look at the season the rest of the way? If you're an NC State fan, what should you expect? What should you hope for for the rest of the year? Does the Bates injury change that for you, Matt? Yeah, a little bit, sure. I think I uh, went online. I think my prediction was 18 and 13 and maybe 10 and 10 in the ACC this year. I think that's realistic uh, to to maybe take a game or two off of that, particularly on the ACC side of things. But, um, yeah, I think you hit on an extremely important point. There's no low post scoring. So uh, that changes you know, the NC State's a ball screen offense where they don't have to worry about the screener. It changes how teams can defend. Defend. So, um, I get that coming to where they have to find an identity. Um, and they have to kind of come up with a formula that works. I think there's one out there with the with the personnel. It's just, can they find it? How quickly can they find it? And the consistency of it. Um, especially once the team start making an adjustment to what, if that happens and NC State has some success, you're going to see adjustments come. So how do you respond to those? So, uh, there's no question. I think you hit on a huge point about the offense. It, it, when teams can really focus on defending four guys instead of five, it changes a lot. You know, it puts priority on scoring. But that doesn't mean you can't have success. You just have to go back to the last Sweet 16 team that NC State had. You know, that was when Mark Godfrey basically put a young Malika Boo and Leonard Freeman and B.J. Anya as his low post guys and rotated them at the four and the fives. Um, Kyle Washington ended up being the odd man out. Kyle Washington was the only one of that foursome that could really score. But what it did was it freed up the shots for Cat Barber, Trevor Lacey, and Ralston Turner. And NC State went on a great run because those three were more effective because they got more shots. And they were the ones that needed to be taking the shots. They were the best scorers on that team. And and NC State blossomed. So um, they could pass there to still be a good team. Uh, but... Yeah, I think the expectation is we need to be patient, wait and see if it can happen. It may take a while. I can't deny it may it may take a while. So 
I think the key for NC State, to me, I said in my premium observations, I don't want to give them all away because they're premium. Yeah, they're premium. It only cost you a dollar to see them. But I said the one thing I'd like to see is to kind of, um, yeah, the games against Central Connecticut and Bucknell took way too long to take control of. So that's the next step, kind of um, rise up above the competition. So to speak, Texas Southern will be a nice challenge there. A team that can make the tournament, um, uh, but against the Texas Southern and the Bethune Cookman coming up, rise up, rise up above the competition, and then we'll see where they stand when they play, say, uh, Purdue on a neutral court. We'll get a test at that point. Okay, how much improvement have they made since Oklahoma State? Um, Granted, it would take a boatload of improvement to be competitive against one of the best teams in the country, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that Purdue game's the measuring stick game for this team. Yeah. But you kind of get a gauge, I guess. Get a gauge of where you are yeah. and um, where you need to get can, better. Can you make it competitive? Yeah. Can you make it co- – I think that's the key for, like, I had a lot of thoughts watching these Central Connecticut and Oklahoma State games because, you know, they're really the first kind of two games that you've seen this roster – okay, it's been about a week or so since Manny Bates has been injured. You've had some time to make alterations and you're, you're seeing the first of the, the first attempt to get by without Manny Bates. The first half against Central Connecticut State was completely flat. NC State was not interested in playing, you know, one of the worst teams in Division One in front of no fans and Mohegan Sun Casino, you know, up in Connecticut. I mean, it, it's it's easy to understand why they didn't have juice in that first half. I think once they realized, oh crap, we uh, we, we we might need to start playing with a little bit more passion if we want to not lose this game, avoid a embarrassing loss to a pretty bad team. They took care of business in the second half. Give them credit; they won by double digits. But this NC State team just does not have the privilege to overlook any opponent this year i mean they got to bring it every night because the teams like central connecticut state can can beat this team if, if they're not you know wanting to play basketball that afternoon um and we'll see i think i think this nc state team will probably knock off a couple games that they have no business winning they probably will lose a couple games that they have no business losing um the key for me, I think, if you're an NC State fan, is you, you just want to see competitive basketball this year. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, going into the season, this roster was very much a, a bubble roster, about a 50-50 chance. It'd be nice to get into the NCAA tournament. Getting into the NCAA tournament was probably an appropriate measuring stick for the complete roster, assuming you have Manny Bates. You lose your best player. You lose arguably one of the best big in the country. You lose you lose the most crucial piece to what you want to do on both the offensive and defensive ends. That has to change the expectation some. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day. Like the loss of Manny Bates, that's probably a ten point swing per game that NC. I mean, Manny Bates probably brings at least at least ten points of value to the roster just being present on the floor for NC State. I'm not even talking about the blocks. I'm just talking about his physical presence on the floor. Um, so to me, I just want to see competitive NC State basketball. It would be really easy for this team to throw in the towel. It's a rebuild year. We're just going to you know, look ahead to next season, try to develop these guys. And it, that may end up 
what it becomes at, towards the end of the conference stretch, but I was very encouraged to see, you know, the Cincy State team come out hot against Oklahoma State, an early lead. Would have liked to see them take advantage of that a little bit more because they were locking down Oklahoma State so well defensively. I think Oklahoma State only points in the first 10 minutes. NC State should by 10 or 15 points. They, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. Oklahoma State comes to the game, completely steals momentum, takes a double-digit lead in the second half. But what encouraged me is this NC State team fought back and had a chance to win the game at the end. I mean, at Oklahoma really probably shouldn't have let NC State back into that game. They made some mistakes on their own end, but uh, you know you got to give credit to NC State showing some fight there. You love to see what you saw from Jericho Holmes. Maybe this will be a, a spark plug for him to continue that play the rest of the way. Helms and Sebron just have to play like all ACC players for this NC State team to have a pro at making the NCAA tournament. But I just want to see competitive basketball, and um, and we're we're going to see a lot of great matchups in this non-conference slate in, in in the ACC. So we'll see. You mentioned the ACC sucks this year. I agree with you. They're down. Everybody else except Duke and probably Carolina and Virginia Tech is very beatable. Um, so we will we will only time will tell. I think that's going to do it for this podcast. Unless you have anything else to add, Matt. A cool deal. He's giving me the thumbs up. So that is my cue. Uh, to remind the listeners and viewers at home to please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, we're also on YouTube. You can watch us on YouTube. Uh, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. As Matt mentioned, as I've already mentioned, the Wolfpackers Pond 3 Network. Now, if you want to read those premium observations Matt brought up earlier in this podcast, Take advantage of the deal that On3 has going on right now. A dollar gets you a year's worth of premium subscription. So head over to thewolfpacker.com and take advantage of that deal now while you still can. And lastly, please follow us on social media. You can follow our main account at The Wolfpacker on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Justin H. Will on Twitter. And give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on thewolfpacker.com. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams. And- has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.